0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Flushem and Dustin podcast. Super excited to have you back listening. We are down to the wire for hunting season. It's almost September 1st, which means dove season is opening. Uh, Depending where you're at, you could be hunting some grouse, maybe if you're in Montana, and uh, some early teal. So things are ramping up. Things are looking good. We've made it through. The uh, dog days of summer, so all that hard work that you have all been putting in is going to start paying off here in the fall. If you haven't, be sure to go check us out on YouTube under Flush'em and Dust'em. Uh, we post all of our podcasts there, and we plan on posting all of our hunting videos coming up this fall, so be sure to go check out Flush'em and Dust'em on YouTube. We definitely appreciate it, and we appreciate all your support. Uh, for the podcast so thank you again for listening this podcast is brought to you by hunt ready uh, quality vest made here in the us of a actually all of our sponsors for this podcast are here in the usa and all of their products are made in the usa so we are so happy to say that Uh, but hunt ready just launched their elevate series They have the Elevate Upland Ambush, the Elevate Upland Pursuit, and the Elevate Upland Drifter. Each have different configurations already pre-configured for you, so you choose which one you want. They already come shipped, ready to roll. Uh, It is a slimmed-down version of their normal vest, uh, but still extremely customizable and lightweight. Can't wait to try those out in the field uh, for the shorter hunts where I don't need to pack as much gear. Uh, these will be absolutely perfect. Uh, so go check out huntready.com. That's H U N T R E D com. I'm super excited to announce a new sponsorship of the podcast Upland Outfitters, U P L N D Outfitters. You can find them at UplandOutfitters.com. Just remove the A out of Upland. Uh, Jason is the owner of the company and he is a veteran as well as a Full-time firefighter. He currently has a pair of men and women's pants. Uh, it is a relentless pant made out of Tweeve Duro stretch. It is extremely breathable, wind resistant, very very comfortable, and also comes with a DWR coating on the pants uh, to make them water resistant for those early mornings when there is hopefully, do on the ground to help your dog scent those birds. Uh, He also has a pullover that is made out of merino wool uh, that can be worn during the early season as well as be layered in the later season. Um, So be sure to go check out Upland Outfitters. Like I said, the pair of pants that he has on there, they come in a green and brown color and are made for both males and females Uh, so ladies if you are looking for a very comfortable pair of pants that will fit well go check out uplandoutfitters.com the ladies pants are also currently on sale so go check them out uplandoutfitters.com we're also brought to you by gundog outdoors alex lane mill is a retired firefighter and has put together one heck of a first aid kit Uh, we have used it a few times in the field and we're very happy to have that with us we use his water bottle as well Uh, and we also use his quick release system dove seasons right around the corner if you're a waterfall waterfall seasons right around the corner so it's a nice safety feature to have for your dogs i use it all the time and uh, it's just a nice peace of mind knowing that the dogs are not going to break And no matter how much I work with them, things can happen. So very nice tool to have. So go check them out, gundogoutdoors.com. And get yourself some gear before season. We're also brought to you by B-Pro Kennels. Custom built kennels built with 100% aluminum. Uh, They have a rigid frame inside of them that's similar to a roll cage. So they're going to be extremely durable, uh, lightweight and last for a super long time being made out of aluminum don't have to worry about them rusting uh, they have a awesome solar panel on the top of it to help you charge all of your gear uh, from your collars to your phone to if you run gopros um super cool idea to have and then sweet storage compartment on the top that you can have all that gear in lockable gonna keep it dry um You can also choose some pretty awesome colors. I have this olive green color that is coming. I don't know if you've seen him showcase it at all, but if you haven't, go check it out because it is pretty badass looking. Uh, I just wish I had a color, that color truck to go with it, but my my old black Silverado will, it'll make my black Silverado look pretty darn good. So super excited about that kennel. Gonna love having the extra lights going down the road from the blinkers to the uh, brake lights in the back so gonna definitely be more visible on those early morning commutes or uh, the ride home from the field after a good day's hunt Uh, so be sure to go check out bprokennels.com let them know we sent (laughs) you Welcome back to another Flush'em and Dustin podcast brought to you by Hunt Ready. Uh, I'm Tyler Melcher along with Nick Duran and tonight we have Oliver Hartner on. He is based out of South Carolina. He is an upland hunter. He runs a Boykin. He has some articles uh, in Rise Magazine. Uh, So we're definitely excited to have Oliver on, learn more about his journey into the uplands, learn about his journey into... uh, Writing, uh, and just talk dogs and all that other good stuff. So, Oliver, if you want to introduce yourself, uh, and then we'll take it from there.
1: Sure. Uh, so, my name's Oliver Hartner, as uh, these guys have already pointed out. Um, I uh, I grew up in uh, South Louisiana. Um, I, I uh, did a tour duty in uh, Iraq. I was a combat veteran over there. I was a thank uh, you for your
2: service.
1: Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for your support. Uh, it took me years to figure out a good response to that, uh, <laughs> someone offering, uh, you know, their, uh, their gratitude for, uh, for my service. Uh, but I finally found a good one. <laughs> that, yeah. works. that works. every time. What <laughs> branch were you in? Uh, United States army. Nice. Uh, I was in the national guard for the state of Louisiana and uh, our unit got called up. And so I went over uh, in 2004 and back then I was a reservist I was in the national guard and so um uh, back then they had long much longer deployments uh ours was a total of 20 months so there was oh, wow. a yeah there was a 6 month train up period at Fort Hood Texas and then a a uh, a mobile another training uh at Fort Irwin California at the uh NTC National Training Center there to do desert run run lanes that were set up to be sort of like an Iraqi village that kind of thing yep after a month of that we got to Kuwait spent a month in Kuwait and then went to the theater of operations from Kuwait and then spent 12 months there (laughs) Uh after all that front end stuff so I I, yeah yeah I was a the total deployment was 20 months and you know I I uh I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, I did my, I did the one deployment and then I got out though. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'd had, I'd seen and, and, and did enough to just, <laughs> yep. I, wanted to get back to, I wanted to get back to hunting and, uh, or being outside. I had to take a detour from hunting as well. Yeah. Uh, during undergrad, just had to get, yep. get, get some things out of the way and get some disposable income in my pocket to, uh, to get to, to hunting again. But, uh, my grandfather was a big time waterfowler down in South Louisiana. And, uh, he introduced me to hunting, uh, but he kind of gave it up after, uh, after, you know, he had a, he had a di- diabetes and his doctor had to, uh, say, okay, you can't, you can't shoot a shotgun. You could, you could have a detached retina and lose your vision.
0: Oh, geez. So,
1: yeah, I know. Yeah, he, he, uh. <clears throat> he didn't want to give it up, but he had to. Um, and so I had to, I took a hiatus, did a few dove hunts with my college buddies that kind of kept me, kept me going, you know, kind of kept me interested. And then had a couple moves, moved to South Carolina about uh, 14 years ago, I guess. And then, um, uh, found a job and stayed. I love South Carolina. Um, yeah, a lot to do around here nice. uh, sporting life wise. Um, wing shooting and and uh and fishing if you like saltwater fishing this is this is one of the best places to do it whether it's uh, whether it's uh and i biggest fish. what do you what are you catching on there well i was gonna go. i was about to say truth <laughs> be told i don't do a lot of fishing i'm an opportunistic fisherman uh in other words when people have boat i don't have all the all the accoutrement that saltwater fishing requires <laughs> it's somebody calling me and saying hey you want to go get a guide and go fishing them um, sure why not uh, so very casual but very casual but mostly red fishing i don't want to i don't want to uh give the, the false impression of, of me being some saltwater angler uh, but i like i like going in the creeks with uh buddies of mine who do have who live down there and have the the stuff uh there's a guy who makes uh belt buckles uh Hook and Hide. Uh, okay. he's an excellent, excellent saltwater guide and uh, a friend of mine. And I go down there with Tombo. Uh, Tombo uh, Malden is his name.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a heck of a name.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. He he's uh, he fishes out uh, out in uh, near near McClellanville, Cape, Maine, that area. Um, but uh, catching reds, you know, redfish, little salt yep. creek fished i enjoy that when i can yeah uh, i feel like if i picked up that if i picked that up it would maybe uh take away from my wing shooting you know that's where i like to focus my efforts yeah Uh, then writing i mean you gotta have time to write so that's right yes Uh, what
0: uh what's out in south carolina for wing shooting opportunities
1: um well so we have waterfowl here. So we're, we're in the Atlantic flyway. Uh, I'm the, I'm the secretary at the state level for, uh, Ducks Unlimited. Oh, very oh. cool.
0: Yeah. So, How long have you been doing that for?
1: Um, I'm going into year three on the state committee as the, as the secretary. And, uh, every year we have a huge fundraiser, Seaweed Southeastern Wildlife Expo. Um, uh, and, they raise hundreds of thousands of dollars at that one event for waterfowl people, people from all over the southeast come to southeastern wildlife expo and uh that oyster roast is a really big event for us so we've got uh so we have waterfowl um yeah. uh, mostly wood ducks i got this guy over at my pond uh <laughs> that was it, it was you know one of the best one of the best uh condition he was in the best condition <clears throat> compared to other drakes that I've uh that I've yeah. taken uh so I said gosh I don't I don't have a wood duck I need to get one um I love those things yeah uh, they're sweet oh man they, they are them. they're beautiful and and boy do they cook well man I think they that's are
0: one. super good
1: oh man I think that's one of the best <laughs> eating waterfowls I don't, I don't know
0: if they're better than teal though I, oh I yeah mean, teal, teal is That is some good cooking.
1: Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. You're singing. You're speaking my language. (laughs) Yeah, both of both of those species are just excellent,
0: excellent in the uh, in the uh, Dutch oven, cast iron Dutch
1: oven.
0: I bet you, coming from
2: Louisiana
0: and living in South Carolina, you got to be a good cook. You can't. You know, they're known for their food. I mean,
1: I I, 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 uh, I did win a Shrimp and Grits cooking contest <laughs> in 2013. <laughs> People's Choice uh, <laughs> in Jekyll Island, Georgia, uh, at their Shrimp and Grits festival. Nice. So what is, have, what's a I Shrimp have some and Grits? I have some bona fides to cooking. Uh, it's funny, though. I mean, I have that, and then, you know, I do – it's, what I, it's one of the things I love actually about wing shooting is the fact that you can take something from the wild and make it into a meal and have that connection, that oh, connectedness yeah. to the resource. Uh, you're not just an observer of nature. You're a part of that process by doing, by, you know, hunting and wing shooting. Yeah. And, yep. you know, culinary art is another good segue to recruiting people into the sport. Um, it is. That, true. That and uh, gun dogs, you know, like these handsome breeds we all have. Uh, people want to know what that dog can do and uh, say, well, I'll yep. show you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: We actually um, one, a... one
2: of my favorite things uh, right now is I just got uh, Jet, who's a poodle pointer. Oh, wow. I was like,
0: oh, he's a beautiful GSP
2: because he doesn't have his furnishings on his face yet. I'm like, oh, he's not a GSP, he's a poodle pointer. I'm like, what and so I actually love it and I'm like oh yeah back in 1881, you know he took a <laughs> this German hunting poodle and uh, English pointer and they're like get out of here I'm like it's a whole you know it's a whole certified breed and I had to sign my life away basically I was gonna hunt it <laughs> everything right uh, so it's pretty cool like to tell that story and I, I love that people don't know what what he is like so would you just breed a poodle and pointer is that what you did I was like no. I did not start this.
1: No, like, no, no, this is long before
2: yeah. me. That's what yeah. I got. I got asked that today. They're like, "Oh, should you just do that yourself?" I was like, "No, not do that myself." <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: that's funny. So uh, we we also, I guess, I was tell you other opportunities. We we have a lot of uh, morning dove is a big uh, is a big. It, it's it's almost like I would I would liken it to uh, the glorious twelfth over in uh, over over in Britain. Uh, Labor Day weekend is, is, uh, for wing shooters is like, this is it. This is the beginning of, uh, fall for us. Uh, <laughs> wing shooting is uh morning dove hunts over field of sunflowers and then afterwards a big barbecue. Nice. That's very, oh, yeah, that's uh, fun. Yep. Yeah, with, um, with, with all your buddies. Uh, you know, everybody's out there running their dogs. It's very casual, very light. Um, It's just a lot of fun and then, you know, you can get a get a gentleman's limited doves, which, you know, for me is ten. I know you can shoot fifteen, but I don't I'm not into the I'm like if I get ten,
0: I'm good. Yeah. That's plenty. Do you guys do you guys start September? Do you start September first or is it actually Labor Day weekend?
1: In South Carolina it's Labor Day. So opening day for us is will be monday yeah um but there's uh so that's that's another opportunity and you know a lot of people forget about the doves after the teal start coming in around late september early teal we have a seasonal early teal here and they'll kind of forget about the doves but i tell you i went i went on a late season dove hunt one year about two actually two years ago And it was one of the best dove hunts I've ever been on. They were all migratory. So it was, you know, late October. Yeah. um, There was a fur, there was a cold snap that came through and there just was a big flight of doves come down. And it was one of the best I've ever been on. Uh, You know, usually you're dove hunting here in the Southeast and it's just, oh my God, the heat is just, it's tough. It's it's brutal. It's like, uh, I mean, literally, and there's no, I mean, you're not in the shade really it's it's you know 90 degrees you're sweating you got yeah you got a camo shirt uh you know drab colored hat <laughs> and uh shorts and you're you're you know sprayed a bunch of uh you know sprayed a bunch of at least i do bug spray to keep the red bugs yeah. you from, yeah. uh, from biting the heck out of you so yeah um but it's brutal but it's so worth it you know it's so much fun and uh but at, you know, past that, doves are still coming. But the thing about migratory doves is you yep. got to shoot them then and there. there yep. Uh, because they're not going to be around the following Good. day. We just happened to catch a, a flight of migratory doves and they were gigantic. And uh, and that was a lot of fun. Um, nice. So there's dove hunting, <laughs> there's quail hunting. Now, there are a lot of quail preserves. Okay. Uh, we don't have a large population. Oh, let's put it this way. Uh Pablo Babcock was a w- was a uh he was something of a bard about quail hunting. Um here he actually was an English professor at the University of South Carolina and wrote prolifically about quail hunting. Uh and he talked about he lamented back then, and this was in the nineteen, you know, fifties, sixties ish mid century uh mid 20th century he was already he was lamenting quail hunting on the decline back then and I'm like man that was the heyday
0: yeah
2: uh, no, there no was man.
1: a uh, there
2: was we get told we get to that all the
1: time on pheasant hunting here.
2: Oh, back in my day, we just didn't even need a dog. We'd go out and walk 10 minutes and shoot three birds and be dead.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's just not that way anymore. Uh, but what we have to do as southeastern quail hunters, at least on public lands or, you know, hunting wild quail in general in the southeast, uh, if, if, you, if you're if you not cultivating those coveys and cultivating your, your, uh, your land for them, you're just doing the public hunt, public ground thing they are there but you will burn a lot of boot leather finding them Yep, and, and uh you're not going to make a meal of them you might you might flush a covey or two a day not oh, a wow covey. yeah not a covey or two an hour but a covey or two a day so it's almost i would liken it to uh it's almost kind of like a northeastern grouse hunter um public land quail hunting in the southeast but you know you got to change that mentality i think i think we have to change our mentality around quail hunting in that we're not there to make a meal of it we're there to watch the dog work we're there to hear the birds see the birds get a chance at shooting a bird and if we do that's awesome and if we don't that's okay too we yep. just have to change our expectation but if you can manage your expectation public land quail hunting is another opportunity around here and again if you want a sure thing there are the preserves they have yeah. lots, lots and lots of preserved quail here in south carolina um and i would say for wing shooting that would just about oh what, oh god i almost forgot woodcock yeah we have woodcock uh, we have a good we have good flights of woodcock down here Again, you got to know where to go and where yep. to look, but we find a good number of them uh, on public ground around here. I yeah, ran how many were you get?
2: How many you today, roughly? So we've only um, seen one in Iowa, when like when we went, we got it too. But that's good.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. you you you're not going to flush lots of them, but. You know, if there's a lot of splash around and, and there and you know a lot of boreholes. You, you know, if you're yep. seeing a lot of boreholes in the ground and there's splash on the uh on the cane cover, like the little bamboo shoots, they're about that tall out yep. of you know, the yay tall out of the ground. Um and around, you know, around creek bottoms and such, um, uh, you know, you can flush, you can flush, you know, four four, you know, you're not gonna you may not get them all, but you, you mm. may flush three, four a day, you know, and it's good. It, the good thing about them is they, they kind of settle back down, uh, not too far. So you can keep pursuing them until you, you, you once you flush one, you can pursue that one until you get a, a better shot or yeah. whatever, because they, they do tend to around here, at least they do tend to stick around the thicker areas down in those, uh, Creek bottoms, uh, I'm sure they're the same. I mean, I'm sure it's the same for yeah. you guys. I mean, a woodcock's a woodcock, whether it's in South Carolina or or uh, anywhere, I guess. But uh, but we we usually start getting them. Um, we we start getting them. Well, you know, depending on the weather, really. But I guess uh, I guess December is is the be- probably the better flights. December, January, And yeah. then We're 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 zipping it up. By end of January.
0: You know, yeah, you uh, guys are seem like you're just a bit behind us for dates. So we have, I think you can only hunt woodcock into it's either the very beginning of December or November. But like when I when I've seen them, they've all been around the November timeframe and maybe a little bit in October. But gotcha. um, I actually saw some. uh, It was, Gosh, it was June, maybe this year. Wow. <laughs> in Iowa, I saw two of them. They, I uh, I couldn't even believe it. I was like, what the heck? I've never, you know, oh. I figured they were all way north, you know, and, uh, but yeah, we kicked up two of them. There's just like a state owned ground by me, or I think it's, uh, the, I- the Army Reserves ground or the, uh, got him drawing a blank on the name of it, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's just all wetland area. And yeah, lo and behold we're just walking out there cause they have a nice path that you can just walk, you know, and whatnot. Yeah. And two Woodcocks flew up. I was like, wow, that was, that was crazy to see in the middle of summer. That so, is
1: amazing, man. Yeah. To happen down there, that, that, that is cool. Super yeah. cool. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're all i'm always you know i'm always kind of keeping my ear to the ground and looking around for some good good cover to kick around and see if i can stir one up uh more often than not i don't stir any up <laughs> but they're a fun little know. bird yeah oh they are they are And they are. they're cool they are And and they're they and they're wild they're not a released bird there and they actually eat again getting back to the culinary thing they taste really well what's have,
0: a what's a good way to cook them do you have a good one
1: uh my friend does uh, okay. from Louisiana uh <laughs> Bill, I uh, like to bird hunt with uh he he and I were actually high school chums and uh and we lost touch for several years but I met up with him again while I was visiting my father who still lives in Louisiana and uh we connected again he i was wearing a cubby rise hat and said oh what do you know about that i was like oh i have i write for this magazine he's like oh
0: really oh
1: and so uh yeah we reconnected over that and uh i went i've actually gone quail hunting with him on public ground in louisiana and oklahoma and have been successful with him there and uh uh, we went, uh, we, he cooked, he cooked our woodcock both times, uh, in a, in a French sauce, uh, au jus, a, spelled A-U and then J-U-S, right? Okay. So, au jus. I, I just want to make sure I didn't, uh, sound strange over the mic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'd spell it. And my French is bad. I have bad French, so, um,
0: I don't have any, so, <laughs> so he, he, uh,
1: he cooked an au jus saw, he cooked those, uh, he cooked those woodcock in au jus sauce. Uh, he now we didn't do the the aging thing like they do overseas, where you age them and you wait till the head's about to, you know, you <laughs> hang them from their heads and you age them until they're about to just fall from, yep. <laughs> you know, it's ready when it when the head and the body separate. Uh, yeah. yeah, none of that. We you know we cleaned them up. Yeah. You know we drew them and plucked them and and he did them over an open fire in this au jus sauce i don't know exactly what it had in it but i know it had some beer it nice. has a lot of spices with and... that. yeah i cannot yeah that's a good ingredient had a little beer a little uh you know some spices uh salt you know your salt your pepper your garlic uh i want to say he might have put uh, onion of course um uh let's see i'm not sure Everything else he put in there, but it was very savory, nice. but, but it didn't overpower the meat. You know, when I, I, I've interviewed a lot of chefs and they all hate the word gamey because it's true. It's just the flavor profile. That's what meat tastes like, right? Yeah. That's, what, yep. that's what, that's what a, that's what meat is supposed to taste like. Not this colorless, odorless, tasteless stuff. You buy in a package at a grocery store. I think people are so accustomed to that flavor that they don't really know what meat really tastes like. I would agree
0: with that. (laughs) I mean, it's all full of preservatives and all that other junk, you know.
2: I know know a a guy who was just, not to get off topic, but uh, he was trying to fatten up his beef. So he ended up getting a load of gummy worms that were bad from like a. factory that makes them and then they ate them fattened them up like that and then <laughs> <they> butchered them <laughs> Wow! yeah and my parents got some of the meat and said it was the worst meat they've ever had I'm like well yeah they just ate fucking like, three tons of sugar, <laughs> sugar. <Yeah. laughs> <was> like, <laughs> three tons
1: three tons of corn syrup not even yeah sugar. corn syrup yeah. and it's junk and- yeah oh man oh yeah, so, yeah wow. like you get that and you think of that farmers are
2: doing that just to fatten their cows up like yeah
1: ugh. there there is a regrettable disconnect between uh, between people what people put in their in their bodies and in the resource uh it's so regrettable um and you know i feel like if we if we could just i feel like the, again it's just such a to me that's just one of several avenues to recruit people to to our sport Is teaching them about real food and where real food comes from and what real food is. Yep. Um, I mean, that's what
0: what got me kind of recruited into waterfall. Yeah. Is I, you know, I never had, I never waterfall hunted growing up or anything. And um, last year was like my first big year into it. And I enjoy it. So I love the part of, I love goose. It's, I make it into goose jerky and it is just phenomenal. Like it, better than beef jerky, you know? And, um, ever since then, it's like, man, I, my, my wife, she takes it to work with her all the time. You know, it's, it's just a great snack. And like I said, I, I don't think I would waterfowl hunt if I didn't like the way they taste.
1: Right. Oh yeah. One would be intriguing. There's there's a chef uh, out of Louisiana i interviewed for Covey Rise. His name is Corey Barr. And uh he, he talked at length in that in that issue and in this article about uh about you know hunting and, and and getting your protein from the resource. And he said, you know, it's okay if you hunt something and you wind up it doesn't it's not your favorite, right? As long as you can make it taste good, good enough to eat it, you know. And if if you want to shoot them, if you want to shoot more of them, make them good enough to eat. And if you can't make them good enough to eat, just don't shoot any more of them. Yeah, right. This is. Yep. You know, I know some people will turn their nose at a, at a Canada goose, but I, like yourself, uh, Canada goose makes a really fine meal, and uh, we'll take we'll take them and put them on a smoker. And then I'll make like a, now it's really, you, you don't necessarily want to, want to do this. Uh, you, you don't necessarily, you want to, uh, want to eat too much of it, but I'll make like a, like a, you know, we have chicken salad, uh, instead of a chicken salad, I'll make like a goose breast, like okay. goose, yep. not just the breast, but the whole bird, you know, we'll, we'll quarter the bird up and smoke it all, nice. but, uh, make a, like, make us like a, like a salad out of it, like a spread that you can spread on yep. sandwiches and it's, uh, like a curried, uh, and it's curried, so it's got, like, some nice Indian flavor to it as well, and, um, man, I, I'll bring some of that, I, I, and I make it out of I might light. have
0: to get that yeah. recipe from you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that sounds pretty good, actually. Happy, happy and I'll, I'll take, I'll take any game bird, really, that smoked, yeah, smoked well, and you can do this with any of them, and any part of it, like the dark meat, like a turkey, a wild turkey. I've, I don't breast out a wild Turkey. I pluck them whole. I don't, uh, to me, that's just too much waste to yep. just throw. Yeah. Um, You know, and I'm not trying to be, you know, holier than thou to those who just breast their turkeys out. I'm not, not trying to do that at all. I just, uh, I pull, I pull the feathers, all of them. <laughs> you yep. know, I take my time to do that and I'll just smoke that thing whole, uh, but not, you know, just, not the whole bird per se, but quartered up first, you know, because yep. you don't, because yep. it'll cook. You know, you will wind up with dry, dark meat if you try to keep the bird whole and just put the whole bird in the smoker. Yeah, smoke that bird, take that dark meat that might be a little tough for some, moisten it up, put it in that game meat salad that you can spread on a cracker, spread on a sandwich. I brought that to a New Year's Eve party, like a really big bowl of it. I mean, I'm talking. I'd, I don't know exactly, that, but maybe, oh God, I wish I had the bowl with me so I could turn it over and look at the bottom to tell you exact, but it was a pretty nice size uh, dish, yeah. completely empty. People were like taking crackers and <laughs> scooping it like the little remains <laughs> on the edge. I mean, it was, I was like, Damn. gosh, I barely have to wash it. Uh, that's great.
0: <laughs> I, need, I need that recipe. That sounds awesome. Yeah, glad. I'd be glad to see it.
2: sound good. It sound good.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I'll send it. Um how just did they, just email how, me? How'd you, you, how you get into writing for how you get for uh Covey rise? Oh, I've been writing for cubby rise for let's see, I think uh, since twenty seventeen. So about five years now, I guess. No, was it 20, 20 2018, twenty eighteen, twenty eighteen, yes, twenty eighteen uh was my first published article within hard to believe it was that long ago, but yeah um i got a i got a really lucky break with them i uh i i uh, met them at seaweed um they were they had a booth there and i was wearing an old miss hat and some of their uh some of the folks that work at the magazine and i was already subscribed you know i was already i knew what the magazine was and i'm like oh there's covey rise wow let me let me check them out so i went to the booth and um and I was wearing my old miss hat, and they said, uh, oh, I like your hat. I said, Well, I love your magazine. And we just struck <laughs> up a conversation. And I was writing for a, a smaller, I was writing a hook and bullet stories for a smaller uh, publication, a local publication, uh, City Social, our City Social magazine. And I was even writing for, and before that, I was writing for nothing. So I, I guess you could say, before cubby rise i had done some writing um and 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 uh i talked to him and they said well yes yeah, into some of your work and so for the next two years <laughs> i sent them pieces of work and i didn't get a response but i just <laughs> kept sending them and then eventually i got a phone call that said hey um We've got a we might have an assignment for you. Can you be in Silicon, Alabama at Purcell Farms in uh, in a week? Or and I said, Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Because I had some vacation time from work. So I did. I took I went down there and I and I did the interview for Purcell Farms. Orvis had uh, recently opened their wing shooting school there or one of one of their wing shooting schools. They have three now they have one in vermont and then one in siliconga and i think they've got another i don't know where the other is uh but but they just recently opened it and uh yeah and i guess i did a good job and they've been calling me back ever since so nice <laughs> yeah yeah that's how awesome. i got my break with them that was a really lucky break um uh, and i still love writing for them they're 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 a great group and i've also been able to have had opportunities to write for shooting Sportsman, which is also a very nice publication yeah uh, storied group of guys uh i love working with the editor ralph stewart is another he's a fantastic fantastic editor really just a true gentleman um really enjoy working with him um, I've gotten to do some really fun stories and really neat stuff with them here recently in the past year. Um, and I was introduced to them through Reed Bryant, another writer for Covey Rise. Uh, uh, Reed is a great, he is a fantastic writer. Like there's Reed Bryant here and there's Oliver Hardner. <laughs> Not even on the screen. <laughs> like, yeah. Like way up, He's way up. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, uh, you know show me show me kind of yeah he's he's awesome Uh, that's awesome that is cool
0: how many i got
1: yeah and there's a there's several writers out there that i that i really really admire their work uh russell worth parker's another uh fabulous writer uh really love his work uh he's been in gardening gun and some other publications um shooting sportsman is a publication he's actually been in as well um Chad Love for Quell Forever Journal. He's I've actually written for them. I've I've gotten a byline with them uh through Chad Love, who's another excellent, excellent writer, uh and excellent editor, and uh always appreciate uh being able to work with him and also read his work. Um so there's some there's just some of my some of yeah. my favorites
0: out there. Um How many? Yeah. How many opportunities or publications do you usually get in a year, do you think? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, it keeps
1: going up every year, which I guess is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it's it's really awesome uh, to be, I'd, but I'd say I get at least, so, you know, cut, so let's say Cubby Rise, they're a bi-monthly, so they only have six issues a year. I usually wind up getting into at least two of them, if not
0: three. Nice.
1: Yeah. So that's a pretty good ratio. Um, I'm really, really fortunate for that. Uh, Shooting sportsmen is the same way. Uh, Usually I'll get into anywhere between, uh, I mean, I just started writing for them recently as of, as of last season. So, uh, but I was in three of their issues and I'll be coming in to, i I've already got some stuff in the works for them as well. Same with cubby rides. Nice, nice. Um, and then, uh, Quill forever, I'd say, you know, they're actually a quarterly and I'm usually in, uh, one or two of their issues. So a quarterly is published, you know, four times a year. Yeah, yep, yep, Um, and I'll get, I'll get in one, at least one or two of those, is, uh, issues. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> I've I've gotten um I recently got a bylines in uh gotten bylines in um Rough Grouse and American Woodcock uh society. Uh they're also a quarterly and I've gotten into two of their issues. Very cool. So uh so yeah. Nice. And I've got a few yeah. So those are some those are some really fun uh opportunities, you know, and I've gotten a, a lot of opportunities through these books to do some things that I would
0: not have able, been able to do otherwise. Yeah. Do Um, they, do they like kind of send you the assignment or is it like you create your own like topic? So it's a little of both. Um,
1: I'll send them pitches. I might send them a, a, a slate of pitches or ideas that I have. And they'll either say thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, and if they give the thumbs up, you know, we work out, you know, the trip and how that, all the deal is going to work. If it's thumbs down, I might pitch it to another book or I might throw that. Maybe it's not such a good idea and I just can it, you know, yeah. but it's kind of both. So sometimes they'll call me, like if they're in a pinch, uh, if they had some other, something fall through and I had, and if I've got something in the hopper that I can just whip out real quick and say, well, I've got this. And all you've got to do is get the photography for it kind of thing. They'll, uh, they'll do that. So it's kind of a mix, I guess, is a good answer. Yeah, and and it's in the industry. So the, they're usually working, and I didn't know this until I kind of got behind the curtain, you know, and saw how the sausage was made. But they're usually working like eighteen months, you know, oh, wow. twelve to eighteen months in advance. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So stuff that you're reading in your book in your magazine was, was hashed out way, way, way in advance. I'd say no less than six months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you must have
2: to at that point when you're coming out with so many publications and so many right. magazines, you got to have right. it out, planned out.
1: Yeah. So, it's got yeah. to be planned out. You've got to have it. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot that goes in because you've got to get everything together to go to the printer by this date to get the book to your subscribers on time. It's like, yeah. a, like, yes. it's like, you know, you've got to work out way, way, way in advance to make that happen. It's not, Oh, let's just throw this magazine together in, you know, two or three months and it'll get out there. And yeah. And so my writing, you know, I try to work, you know, when I've got a deadline coming up, I try to work at least a month in advance on a draft. I like having a full draft. So I'll so let's say I'm writing something that's got to be two thousand words. I'll start it. I'll start it at on a, you know, whenever I start it, you know, I have my deadline. It's a month, you know. I'll start it a month before my deadline. Yep. And it will go through many, many drafts before it goes to the magazine. Like, nice. I don't just sit down in a weekend and bang this thing out on a keyboard. That's not how <laughs> like, I not write. Like,
2: not like high school?
1: <laughs> not like high school. No, no, no.
2: No,
1: no, no. When those people are... Because and in, in, in you got to do better for the reader. Like, there's so many things out there that can... Dist- you know, people in the 21st century have a tyranny of choice when it comes to how to spend their time. So as a writer, I like to say they're they've chosen to spend their time with me. So I want to write them a fine story because they they they're given their time, their valuable time, you know, time. You can't get it back. You can only have so much. So you got to spend it wise. And these people are spending their time reading something that I wrote. So I want it to be really, really good. I want it to be the best that I can make it by the time it goes to print. Now, you know, some some of my stories are better than others because you got to work with what you got, but you owe it, yeah. in my opinion, you owe it to the reader to do the absolute best that you can because they're not watching Netflix. They're not, you know, s- scrolling through social media. they're They are with you reading your work because they care and they have chosen to spend their time with you. And that's, that to me is very important. So I, I really try to do the best job that I can. So I start a draft a month in advance and I, like I it goes through several, several edits. When I can, I like to have input from the subject of the article. In other words, if I'm writing an article about a chef or, you know, Cubby Rice loves chefs that shoot. Like they were always looking for chefs that shoot. So if I'm, I want to get their input um because generally there's you know somewhat you know a lot of them are celebrity chefs beyond you know i want their input i don't want to put something out there that they're not gonna like Yep. um and that goes not just for the chefs that shoot but for any subject of the article anybody that appears in my articles i like to have their input just to make sure little things are correct and to their liking um you know, especially when I'm quoting somebody, I just like to have that feedback. Because, you know, I'm not an investigative journalist, right? I'm not, I can show you my work before it goes to Brent. Uh, I'm doing, I'm doing, you know, this is something that celebrates someone. Usually I'm writing something that celebrates what, what somebody else does for the sport of wing shooting, or for the culinary arts, or I'm telling a story about Uh, my friends and I on a hunt. So it's not like they can't read this before it goes to my editor. In fact, it's better if they do read it before it goes to my editor. It just makes a story. So I like to do that. So that'll be like generally draft number two. And then just like when you're cooking something low and slow on the heat, I like to let it rest. Yeah. Let it rest. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to see it for a week. And then that week before I send it to the editor, I pick it back up and I can read it with a very critical eye to make sure every word is in the right place. Every sentence is in the right place, that there's a good flow to it. So after all of that, it goes to an editor.
0: Nice. So that's you...
1: my process. Wow. I, don't, I won't bore it, you, you, know, you oh, a whole different, a whole different perspective
2: on uh, like what you do and what you go through and how you write. That's pretty cool. I like
1: it. Well, I mean, I mean, that's how I write. Now, there are writers who do yeah. it different, but that's how I do it, and every writer's got their own way of doing it, and yeah. their own yeah. reason for doing it, um, so that's, you know.
0: Did you I go started. to, did you go to school for, like, English arts or something? Yeah, or... yeah. So, Okay. So, yeah,
1: uh, my un- I have an undergraduate, I actually have two undergraduate degrees, uh, from the University of Mississippi, um, Ole Miss is affectionate yeah. name. We're number one in college baseball, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but but uh, this year at least, yeah. Next season, uh, but no, we. Uh, I, I do. I haven't. I hold an undergraduate degree in English and an undergraduate degree in classical studies. Oh, nice. So, yeah, uh, the antiquities, Greek, Latin, uh, classical literature uh, thing. Yeah. I felt, you know, for 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 ages, that was an education. That was all they had. Yeah, (laughs) like from that, from that, from the classics spawns law and medicine, and uh, ministry. You know, clergy, all that, that is from the classics. So. Yeah, I have I have uh, two undergraduate. Years. I actually had enough hours because I did a victory lap uh, as an undergrad. I just you know Oxford, Mississippi is a fun place, and I wanted to spend a little more time <laughs> there. Um, do, yeah, I did the fraternity thing, and that was great. Um, I'm
0: throwing with a little extra college. <laughs> yeah,
1: a little extra, a little extra bonus. Uh, so I did a victory lap, and I wound up with enough hours i I wound up with enough undergraduate hours to to wind up with two diplomas (laughs) (laughs) two undergraduate and not just a double see i thought i was just just a double major but they said no 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 mr hardner you got two diplomas you have two diplomas so i thought that was (laughs) great so now so i can legitimately say i have two undergraduate degrees in liberal arts which a lot of people would consider useless but uh but (laughs) yeah well it's led you to
0: some pretty awesome stuff
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. uh, I mean, I've gotten to do things, again, that I would not have been able to do otherwise. Um, In a recently published uh, article in Shooting Sportsman, I was able to go quail hunting at one of Ted Turner's ranches, hunting desert quail in New Mexico. Oh, man. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, just, yeah, I mean, writing has gotten me there. If I wasn't a writer, I would never have been able to do that kind of thing.
0: That is super cool. That'd be a lot of fun. Oh,
1: it was amazing. It was, it was amazing. I was like, kind of pinching myself. Oh, is this real? This is so cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I did not get to meet Mr. Turner, but I'm friends with his son. I'm a, a friend of his son, Rhett, and uh, we worked together on that piece. Very nice. And I met him. I met him, um, I met him <laughs> through a Cubby Rise piece that I was doing. So there you go. Yeah. I would not have been able. I mean, it just yeah. I, I met him at uh, Primland in Virginia, another beautiful venue and beautiful place to experience uh, in uh, Southwest Virginia, um, where I got to shoot driven pheasant with a Purdy shotgun. Uh, <laughs> another experience that I would not have had otherwise without being a uh, a writer for these for these publications.
0: Yeah, that's crazy cool. Sounds oh, like it's it's crazy, and it's opened up a lot of avenues for you.
1: Oh yeah, which is yeah, it has awesome. I'm very very thankful and fortunate to be able to do these things, and I've been able to meet Reed Bryant, uh, meet him in person. You know, somebody whose work I admire uh, greatly. Um, got to meet him through Covey
0: Rise. Yeah, so, like nice. uh,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: So you're. Uh, so, when you go to, like, these new places, you probably see different breeds of dogs and whatnot, and yeah. you're, you're running a Boykin. Yeah. So, what what's drawn you to the Boykin, and do you think, when you go around to these places, what do you think of, like, the other dogs that you see? Oh, man. You know, dogs,
1: it, everybody's got a different dog for a different kind of reason. Uh, my reasoning for a Boykin was I wanted a dog that was you know, really handsome breed, but also not too large. And, um, cause I don't live in a, a you know, I live in a city and, uh, yeah. and I, I needed a dog that was small enough to be kind of a couch potato buddy, but also go hunt some doves, hunt some quail, woodcock kind of thing with me. Um, so I needed a smart breed and, uh, so I needed a small, a medium sized smart breed, uh, you know, has a high IQ, trainable, biddable, uh, very biddable dog. Um, and, uh, and that just, you know, I, I was introduced to a Boykin Spaniel through my friend, Margaret Ellen, who had one. And, uh, and she, she didn't hunt with this particular Boykin at the time. She didn't get him trained. He was more or less just a pet. But uh, but I like that dog a lot, and um, and then I saw another Boykin that actually hunted, and I said, "Well, there you know that's." And then I found out it was the state dog of South Carolina, and then all these things started. And then I did more research it, into the Boykin Spaniel. I said, "How could I live in South Carolina and not have one of these dogs as a hunting?" Yeah, dog? yeah, so, absolutely. Lo and behold, I wound up with a Boykin, and um and I actually wound up doing a covey rise article about Boykin Spaniels here recently. You might be able to find online, uh, but I know it should be, it's in the, let me see what issue is this.
0: Yours yours wasn't the one regarding like them Turkey hunting, was it? Yeah,
1: it is. Is that yours? Okay. It is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I read that. Yeah.
1: They were bred for fall. So back when South Carolina had a fall season, uh, you would the, the boykin would flush the flock into the trees and you know hunter would call the dog back to him and hide him in a burlap bag and they would dock the tail so that because the tail would rustle the leaves it, oh, it was yeah. flagging so they would dock the tail and uh so anyway so the dog would flush the turkey into the trees the hunter would sit you know, 100 yards from where they flush go go turn around Call the dog back, go set up, and then call the flock back down to them. <laughs> uh, you know, do like a assembly uh, call, right? Yeah. And then, and then, yep, shoot the turkey. And it, but back then you could shoot hens, you could shoot jakes, you could shoot toms, you could shoot any turkey that you wanted. Back then, there were a lot of them, and then they almost went extinct. Uh, and then they brought them back. <laughs> and uh but when they brought him back uh there was no fall season i i don't know i can't i can't say with accuracy when south carolina did away with their fall season i'd have to look that up but uh there are people in other states that do have fall seasons that do use boykin spaniels to turkey hunt and they That's use crazy. that method they use that That's method true. that'd and be cool to see. Yeah, I know. I'd love to see it. Actually, that's one of the things that I'd love to see: a Boykin Spaniel turkey hunt, like they did about a hundred <laughs> years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's but crazy. that's what they're, they're that's what they were originally bred for, and, uh, alongside quail hunting as a flushing dog, and woodcock as a flushing dog, yep. and waterfowling in sheltered water. um You know, they're not going to be able to swim the chesapeake bay <laughs> but yeah, yeah but but they're great for you know wood duck hunts and and sh- you know shallow sheltered water they'll give they'll give a lab a run for their money um in in, the, in that kind of water for water fouling. they like to swim they really do you don't have to yep. you don't have to teach them though mine my boykin she will not go in the water unless it's for a mark like she's really, really birdy, but she doesn't necessarily like being wet. But <laughs> she'll go in the water for a bird. Um, and I actually got her to retrieve a Canada
0: goose. Nice, which it's is gonna be the biggest her Wow! Yeah. How she much was, does she weigh? Do you know? She's thirty pounds. <clears throat> so not much. So a little bit bigger than a goose. That's yeah. crazy.
1: Yeah. Oh, I know. Boy, she was like the little engine that could, going out and getting that thing, man. <laughs> I was just so proud of her. Like the the buttons on my shirt were just popping off. Like, oh my God, my chest was busting. (laughs) like, oh man, look at what this dog is. And and I trained her myself. Um, So I accept full responsibility for the deficiencies of her gun dog education. Uh, She's not, in other words, she's not the, she doesn't exactly deliver to hand. She's not a very polished retriever, but she just gets the dot job done and she's mostly a couch potato, uh as am I. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, she's uh she she's more, you know, she she's my she's my hunting buddy and, yeah, and that's yeah. what I wanted. I, I I never ran I've never run her in any kind of uh uh hunt trial or field trial, though I believe that she would be quite a competitor and sometimes I do regret uh, I feel I feel as though I might have done her a disservice by not at least getting a novice title put on her. But yeah, uh, but she's birdie and I take her hunting. So she gets it. You know, she she runs toward gunfire. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She doesn't run away yeah. from gunfire. She runs toward it. She's she likes it. So how yeah. does she
0: do on the woodcock in the woods?
1: So we've she and I have not been successful at it but we've been successful on quail hunting and she yeah. she works really well with uh she worked, I went on a public land I was just saying earlier I went on public land quail hunt in Louisiana and uh my buddy runs a trio of English setters and uh um, among those setters she just fell right into the pack and you know I was able to call her back to heel she didn't quarter too much you know basically we had those we had those setters running you know, open running out, you know, yep. they were ranging out, and she would, she was kind of quartering between us and them, like in the middle there, right? Yeah. And I, I'm able to control her with a whistle pretty good. So, uh, so yeah, she was quartering, you know, between them and us. And when they went on point, I'd call her back to heel, closer to heel, and we would yep. make our way to the, we make our way to the setters, you know, they're honoring. And uh, they're all honoring, like we know there's still <laughs> Covey there. Uh, and then uh, she would come to heel. And then I would, you know, get her calm and then get everybody up and ready. Like, you get here, you get here. That's what's great about having pointers and flushers. You know, you can get everybody set. If your dude's doing, doing pure flushing dogs, man, it's a it's different experience. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know if I'd want to do it. I don't know if I i could be successful they're just to me there just aren't enough quail wild quail out there to just do just a flushing dog but i'm sure there's people that do and i'm sure they probably bag a lot more birds than i would but uh <laughs> but anyway she uh you know she waited calmly and then i when i released her she went just slammed into those briars and do that thick stuff and there was just coveys of quail just boom they would just blow up in the air we get one or two and then <laughs> And then go s- see where the singles went. <laughs> she had such a ball, and she was just torn to pieces by the briars, but did not give a damn. That's I mean, awesome. Oh yeah, dude, awesome. She, she just loved it. I mean, she just loved it. And my wife was like, "Well, I hope I hope you didn't hurt her." I said, "No, she's she, you know, yeah, <laughs> the she's heart hurt, of a bird but is a good kind of hurt. Like she loves this stuff. Yeah. She loves okay. this stuff. Like all those scabs will heal over, you know." Uh, but she just loved it, and I, you know, as far as what a Boykin can, can do, um, I, I'll say a Boykin can, can do better than a Lab is in a dove field. Uh, that's where a Boykin can, can do much better. They're so much more heat tolerant than than a Labrador because yeah. they don't have, they don't lot. have that. Yeah, they they don't have that really thick undercoat. So early season dove hunts, they do super well in a dove field. Yeah, that's where they to me that's where they really really shine uh otherwise uh a cocker english cocker they they achieve about the same uh they're they're you know same size same temperament i would imagine or similar temperament at least uh as an english cocker if i had to say it was, if i had to pick a sporting breed that's similar i'd say english cocker yeah uh, and yeah. it's in it, their the boykin spaniel also is one of three domestic sporting breeds all other sporting breeds descend from either the continent of europe or great britain uh yeah did not know that the chesapeake bay retriever the Boykin spaniel and the american water spaniel really yep those are the only three sporting breeds that are from the united states
0: well that's crazy yeah (laughs) that's pretty cool information that's cool information yeah i mean i guess it makes sense the chesapeake bay retriever yeah, yeah. chesapeake bay
1: <laughs> oh and Chesies, man there's something else too i've I've met a few people that have had them they are very very territorial about their owners <laughs> they yeah are
0: like, that's what i've heard yeah they are and well, and, well then they used to use them i remember reading something they used to use them back in the day when duck hunters would get you know they'd come back with their boats and they'd go somewhere and they leave their ducks on the boat they leave the dog there for protection that make, so that way you know other hunters wouldn't come steal their ducks i i could see i could see in the
1: old market hunting days where you'd want to do that yeah but otherwise you know somebody else is going to get your haul and yep uh, yeah you'll be you'll be so well for the yeah you'll be a lot poorer for the effort but yep. no yeah that um but another handsome breed is a chesapeake bay retriever they are just beautiful yeah they are and big one there i've seen some monsters out there and and you talk about just swim oh my gosh those things they 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 can swim some treacherous water from what i hear and i've never i've never i mean truth be told i've never seen one in action but i know they're a handsome breed i've known some people that i haven't like, uh... Yeah, I,
2: I've heard they're hard to train, but I don't know if that's true or not. They're just stubborn, very stubborn yeah. dogs.
1: I could see that. yeah. Boy, like so, yeah, yeah. so Boykins are uh, hard headed, somewhat and soft hearted. So they're really eager to please, but you've got, and they're biddable for the most, but 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 you got to kind of negotiate it's kind of a negotiation (laughs) they're they're really smart they're really really smart and so they kind of want to do things their way so if you want them to like take a line to the mark and come right back that takes some training and some doing yeah Uh, if you use an e-collar you run the chance and i did not uh because i was I had never used one before. I had never trained it. She's my, she's the first dog that I've trained to be something other than a pet. So I didn't want to, I was, I was afraid I'd burn her up if I used an e-collar because I just don't know. I just didn't know what I was doing. I, am just, I'm, what I'm saying is I don't have, I don't necessarily have anything against e-collars. I just did not know what I was doing with one and th- therefore I did not want to use one. And there are some things that there's some gaps in her training that I couldn't address with her food motivation. She's food motivated. So I just fed her from my hand. Like she got her food from my hand for the first, you know, good, I don't know, four months of her life. Like, you know, and then I, you know, kind of transitioned her to a bowl introduced her to birds introduced her to gunfire but every time i did that food was around because she is she is such a i told the breeder i want the most food motivated female of your litter (laughs) because the females are not as hard-headed as the male boykins yeah and (laughs) the food motivation just makes it that much easier like i'll do you know we'll work for food you know yep yep, yep, yep. that's kind of what it was and she did she wound up being a a, you know exactly what i wanted in a dog which was a mostly couch potato but uh we'll go hunting yeah (laughs) we'll not we'll not run when guns go off Uh,
2: that's uh, that's all you can ask for
1: i mean at the end of the day i mean i'm not a professional hunter and this is my I want to have fun too. And so if we're both having fun, then that's a successful day in the field.
0: Yeah, it's not always about the numbers.
1: No, no. And the older I get, the less it is about the numbers. Uh, Yeah. The body count just does not matter. I just want to take a a bird or two. I'll I'll even watch them. Yeah.
2: I recall last year, Tyler and I going on a good hunt, and we ended up getting... What was it three or four birds yeah in, three or in four like an hour and uh and the limit here is six we two more. but we had such good one. it was fun the dogs ended up get some tracking because we wounded a bird and um had a couple points with our dogs and that was it Called it a day we could have we had all day to hunt and we
0: hunted one hour
2: <laughs> dogs all. are happy we
0: were happy and it's like yeah uh,
2: dogs are happy. We were happy. So all right, I'm gonna go it's home. and like, spend
0: time with my, my kids, my family. Yeah, but it's oh. not. It's not ruin the rest of the day. You know, after such a good hour, let's leave it at that and end on a good note. And yeah, and it was football season too. So it's like yeah. going to watch some football. Yeah. You know, and
1: so, so y'all yeah. are. I'm not. I'm not the best at. I only <laughs> because because southeastern football is a religion or the sec is a religion i'm oh I'm more yeah familiar, i'm more familiar with this conference than i am the others. so you guys are big 10 big 10 we're hot guys yep. yep. yeah that's right that's right, that's right. That's so right. we
0: never win any bowl games oh just, man we just suck at them
1: oh <laughs> uh, well you know i mean yeah we uh yeah, that's we. It's a especially in Alabama. Uh Football is a religion down
0: here. Oh man, oh, I can only yeah. imagine. Yeah, I can it only is a imagine.
1: Religion. Saturdays are, but you know, I, I'll still, I'll they still probably, get a field over a football game and just have it playing in my in my. You know, I will listen to it or something. You know, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, you can't beat that. They probably shut down Alabama on Saturdays oh yeah the whole town's just shut down yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know they For don't have means. a
1: professional team that is i mean or they do i guess uh most professional players or a good number of them come from that team so yeah I mean, yep. they're uh yeah they yeah um and then there's that rivalry between them and auburn i've i've, I've got i've got more auburn friends than i do alabama friends but uh, I do have some on both sides, and boy, they are a bitter – that is a bitter, bitter rivalry.
2: <laughs> I can imagine.
0: Yeah, it's just be... like
2: Iowa, Iowa State, man. Yeah. People uh, are bitter,
0: bitter about that up here. It man. is. I, it's so bad. It's just like, man, the nastiness between it is just sometimes uh, And I could get a shit
2: less or wins. I just like watching the game.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Now, yeah, yeah. Now the the uh, game. oh yeah. Now um, I was going to ask you. Um. So so there's Iowa Iowa State. That's the biggest rivalry game you guys have going on. Did, yep. Are
0: either you alone? Uh, with Iowa? Yeah. yeah. No. No, nope. we're not. Okay. So we went. I just went to uh, like a smaller university in Iowa. So I went to up. Oh, it's called Upper Iowa. Okay. Uh, yeah, just a smaller I university. This, I did. I did the same thing. Mine's called University of Uke. Very uh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So my wife is an alumni of Iowa. Okay. Um. So she gets into it, you know, a little bit, and she works for the University of Iowa as well. Oh. So nice. She's kind of. She's kind of always around that atmosphere. I love the I love the first Saturday atmosphere of Iowa City, Iowa football. It's. Gets me every year. It's like the only weekend that I want to be there. That I don't want to care if I'm there the rest of the time. Nice. Yep. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. It's it's an interesting it's an interesting city. Once the sun goes under. Nice. College kids come out. <laughs> yes, oh, it bet. is. It's interesting. Y'all, you guys get to go
1: hunting together a lot. We
2: yeah. try to. We here. do. It. We do most of our hunting together We oh, nice got a uh, few few trips planned this year that we're going on three of them will be exact nice. and, um, One's just in Iowa, one's just in Iowa for a Friday Saturday type hunt and then um, we're going to Wyoming with some buddies here in you know, two weeks for sage grouse and yeah. then we go to Kansas in December together for uh, hopefully get some prairie chickens.
1: Oh wow well, that is awesome. I need to make it out there and start hunting and and, uh, do some walking in the prairies. I've never been to that part of the country. I've been to Missouri. I've been to Missouri, which I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess Missouri. Yeah, Missouri's Midwest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they have much for bird numbers there, though. No. Compared to if you headed further west to Kansas or a little bit up to Iowa. You got some decent. There's some decent numbers here. But yeah. you continue heading west, you just have more yeah. opportunities for a lot of different species. Less people. <laughs> yeah. Air and just a op- and Air ton of ground. ground
1: opportunities. Yeah.
0: A ton of public ground. Which oh, is- yeah.
1: That's the thing about South Carolina. You know, it's hard. It, you know, most of the land around, a lot of the land around here is private. Uh, yeah. So you've got to, yep. you got to lease, you got to get in a lease or you got to, Or you got to, you know, pay to play and it's not cheap for sure. Um, But yeah, it's, you know, we still got some good public opportunities. Our draw hunts are for waterfowl are usually spectacular. Nice. Yep. Yeah. So we've still got some public hunting opportunities, but uh, that's why I try to support these conservation organizations as much as I can because... Absolutely. Uh, through, my, through my time and, and 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 through my membership and through my you know treasure if i can manage is uh is because you know they're they're the ones doing the work uh especially quail forever around south carolina and ducks unlimited well hell the national wild turkey federation headquarters is here too so oh yeah oh i didn't know that it is it's in Edgefield. I've been there. It's a, if, if you ever make it out this far east, uh, it is beautiful. It's a beautiful facility. They got a really amazing uh sporting clays range um that's I mean really it's all brand new, very up to date uh, really nice really nice sporting clays range. But yeah, it's in Edgefield, South Carolina. National Wild Turkey Federation nice. eight, uh, headquarters is right It's about an hour and
0: fifteen minutes from my house. Very nice.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, that's
0: awesome. Yeah, man. So the more land, the better. More public land, the better.
1: I know. Yeah, and backcountry hunters and anglers, same thing. You know, uh, I support them as well. Uh, That's a great, great group of conservationists. What they're trying to do, Uh, because gosh, you know, you can't connect people to to our sport unless you have an opportunity to show them, uh, what it's about. And to do that, you you need land, (laughs) you need, you need
0: open ground. And a lot of the organization stuff kind of overlaps a little bit, you know, like, I mean, big country, you got rough grouse and all that, you know, up in the woods. And I mean, so there's, yeah, there's benefits to every one of these organizations having success Oh yeah, for all of us.
1: Yeah, so hopefully the listeners out there will uh will, if they're not already supporting them will uh jump on board. Yeah, let's totally I know, man. Yeah.
2: That's uh, what it's
1: about. Yeah, say, you know, save them, save what we got. Yeah, not making more land. No, they're not. And there's I mean no. this is you know, and, I, and you know, I I know you guys are probably like, oh, I wish this guy would, would shut up, but uh No, <laughs> oh, no, you're good. Not at all but uh but i'll 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 say this and then i'll i will you know guess you know be quiet for a little while but <laughs> i uh this you know everybody you know we're looking to at, at mars and, and you know in the future like what's our future gonna be this is the only habitable place in this universe that we know of yeah and, you know that 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 would support True. us and the species that uh that have that uh habitate this planet uh what are we going to do if we ruin it what are we going to do if 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 it if if it's gone if we misuse it and abuse it uh we can't go to mars you can't you can't have what we have on that planet and there this is this is this is what we've got that's why we've got to we got to do what we can to uh to preserve it yeah. yeah preserve it con- conserve it there's a difference between yeah. preservation and conservation Sure, yeah yeah preservation you know if you preserve everything you conserve nothing yeah yeah uh, so yeah and, and you know i know some people why are you burning that well look at california and that's that's why we burn down here uh <laughs> that's why we do what we have to do because we, you know that's responsible stewardship of the, of the resource uh, yep. is management managing it for not just us but for everything and for all the species because yep. we're we're connected to each other um us and them they need clean water so do we they need got that right so yeah so anyway i'll uh get off my soapbox i just, <laughs> no, I
0: just wanted to plug in. that yeah <laughs> i felt the need to plug that yeah all right. no we appreciate that yeah um, yeah no this is it's been super good man and uh been great learning about yeah. your writing and about how you got into it and just there's a lot i didn't realize there was as much opportunity in south carolina as what there is you know yeah with, uh They're different nice. species and whatnot oh, yeah, yeah. sounds like it'd be kind of a fun state to come out check out someday and yeah um, if you're if you're a whitetail hunter we have one of the longest
1: seasons for whitetail deer in this in the united states really yeah, our our uh, our whitetails deer season in the county that I live in starts in August.
0: Holy, shit. oh, I know, God. man. It goes till like, when?
1: I mean, I mean, look, they. It, I don't see how some guys do it. I mean, I'm like, there. It's got to be like a hundred degrees out. Oh, it is. It's 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 miserable, but they do it. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> they'll shoot shoot a deer in velvet. You know, you can do that here. It's legal. Yeah, oh,
0: that's crazy. Did mm-hmm. not know that.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have one of the longest whitetail seasons. Yeah, it's super long. Dang. Yeah, there's people already deer hunting down here. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. God love them because, God, I wouldn't want to do it. Mosquitoes will carry you away. Oh, shit. Yeah, that would be bad. That would be bad. So... Wind up with yellow fever or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding. <laughs>
0: Uh, so awesome well oliver again thank you for coming on to the podcast yes thank you thank you definitely appreciate it um look forward to reading more of your articles coming out and uh just following along on
1: instagram with you well thank you gentlemen for having me on (laughs) and for letting me bend your ear and uh in the ear of the listeners uh thank thank them too for being uh for being a part of this sport and for uh bringing more people in we need more That's people right. we need to recruit yeah. more and absolutely uh, thank you for this opportunity gentlemen
0: yes definitely yes awesome. let's do it again soon All yeah right.
1: that'd be great yeah we'll talk thank to you later you. there guys y'all have a good one you. Too. Bye.